So I think I have the soul of an entrepreneur, but I don't have the bravery of an entrepreneur. I really like to be in the context of my organization and have this safety of, you know, the standard paycheck coming in every month um, and no, because I'm a planner. Um, but I've been in positions, you know, during my career that I joined these legacy organizations. Um, now I'm more in the tech space, but for a while I was more in, you know, higher ed and legacy institutions. And I'm able to take the giant things that nobody knows how to tackle and start from the ground and just build up. And nobody has expectations of how long it's going to take or how to measure me or what that path looks like. And I'm just like, look, give me like a, a paper clip, a pen and, you know, a pad of paper and I will figure it out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Today, we are going to have a conversation about a number of things. One of them is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And perhaps more broadly, the conversation of bringing your full self to work. And I've had some of these talks with uh, different guests uh, in the Hacking HR podcast in the show, and I can't get enough of it because I love when we share insights and recommendations and ideas on how to actually make this happen at work because we talk a lot about it we talk a lot about bringing your full self to work and creating a culture of psychological safety of true inclusion but between talking about it and actually making it happen this is still a big gap that we need to close and that's why we bring all these guests to talk about ideas and, and insights on how to make that happen and we are going to chat today with somebody who has been in the space of innovation of helping people bring their full self to work herself bringing her her full self to work as an entrepreneur uh, to the jobs that she's had uh, along her career so jessica welcome to the show how are you thank you good morning i am great thank you so much for having me today well thank you i am excited about our conversation today and i want to begin by asking you about this entrepreneurial career that you've had alongside your, you know, sort of your full-time responsibilities when you get a job. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it's interesting because some people think it's a word that I've made up and they'll see it on LinkedIn or, you know, on my resume and they're like, you have a mistake. I'm like, no, it's actually, it, it is, is a thing. It, it, it is, is really a thing. a thing. Entrepreneurship is really a thing. Um, so I think I have the soul of an entrepreneur, but I don't have the bravery of an entrepreneur. I really like to be in the context of my organization and have this safety of, you know, the standard paycheck coming in every month um, and no, because I'm a planner. Um, but I've been in positions, you know, during my career that I joined these legacy organizations. Um, now I'm more in the tech space, but for a while I was more in, you know, higher ed and legacy institutions. And I'm able to take the giant things that nobody knows how to tackle and start from the ground and just build up. And nobody has expectations of how long it's going to take or how to measure me or what that path looks like. And I'm just like, look, give me like a, a paper clip, a pen and, you know, a pad of paper and I will figure it out. And I was able to figure out huge projects and huge initiatives with, you know, being in my early to mid twenties with no resources, no money, um, limited mentorship, and just really figure things out. 
And I kind of joke that I've made a whole career of taking things over that either were a hot mess when I got them in my hands. So literally anything that I could do to make them better, people would be like, wow, like that's amazing. You're terrific. Yes, I am. Thank you for that noticing. Awesome. Or doing things that have never been done. So they just didn't know what to expect. Um, so I've definitely always been the person who has the entrepreneurial spirit, um, but really likes being in the framework of a larger organization. Yeah. You know, you, you, you mentioned the word bravery before. And, and I got to be honest with you because of my own journey, I think it takes a lot of bravery to be an entrepreneur, uh, because if you are an entrepreneur, meaning you are creating your own thing, you know, with your own rules and processes and systems outside of any formal structure, I mean, you're setting up the rules at the end of the day. So you right. are either, you know, cultivating the success or dealing with the failure, but inside a company, you have to play by some rules. Even if you are an entrepreneur, you still have some rules and it takes bravery, a lot of bravery to, to put yourself forward in an, in, a, in, a, in an established structure. And I say this because I've done it before and I've gotten in a lot of trouble in, 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 in jobs that I've had in the past because this entrepreneurial spirit. So when, you know, bringing that concept back to, to organizational culture, how, how, what, what, what would you tell HR leaders or leaders, business leaders in general, for them to be able to shape or architect a culture where people like you have freedom to operate doing their job, but at the same time, you know, sort of like thriving in this entrepreneurial spirit? Sure. So I think so, so often HR leaders and the C-suite always talk about, you know, we want leaders in our company. But if you really think about, well, at least in my humble opinion, the concept of leadership versus management, right? Management, you're maintaining the status quo and leadership, you're really disrupting that status quo. And we can't all be leaders in an organization because then it would just be chaos 24 seven. And at some point, you know, we have to put out a product, we have to service the clients, we have to keep the business running. But if you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, you're never going to grow. Um, so really setting up that culture. And I think it's really different team by team, but it really does come from top down and the C-suite can lead by example of it's okay to fail. It's okay to try different things and kind of leading by example that, you know, we tried this, we tried this product update. It was an epic fail or, you know, this go live for the client really didn't go great, but we learned X, Y, and Z. And now we're going to do this, like really embracing the culture of it's okay to try things. And it's okay when things don't go amazing a hundred percent of the time, because they don't go amazing a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that. And I know you're very passionate about this, this whole philosophy of bringing your, your full self to work. And, and that goes hand in hand with people like yourself or like myself, mm -hmm. you know, being entrepreneurs, because if, you know, the, one of the reasons why I, 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 I'm a, I'm a rebel myself, you know, even my mom is like, oh, still today, she's like, come on, <laughs> you know, but, but that, you know, if somebody asked me, like, leave that part of you outside of work, that's, that's killing part of me, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's killing part of my soul of, or, or, or who I am as a person. Right. And I guess it would be the same case with you. If somebody told you, you know, Jessica, come to work for us, but that entrepreneurial thing that you do, you know, don't, don't bring it here. You would say like, hell no. I mean, you know, I, I want to have a space to bring all that I am to, 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 to the work that I'm going to be doing. Right. I mean, 
I think just that, that is just those kind of cultures are so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's establishing yourself and kind of getting a little rope and just saying, yeah. hey, look, I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to take responsibility if this fails. But then what if you succeed? That's what happened with me at my last organization. I was there for 11 years and I started this project. And it, of course, I know you have a nonprofit background as well. What I wanted to do involved money. And I just said, don't worry. I'll go raise the money. I'll go meet with donors. I will make this happen. I was 25 years old at the time and I never solicited anybody. And I met with my first donor. The first, my first solicitation was for a hundred thousand dollars. And we just went up from there. And then I started bringing in all this money to the organization. And the CC was just looking at me like, what, what are you doing? Like, we don't even understand, (laughs) but like you're bringing in all this money and our donors are responding well, and they're really happy about what you're doing. And it's adding value to the organization. But like, how did this happen? It was like, yeah, you gave me that rope. And I just, I just went with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I and, and I love that. You know what? And and you know, f- like sort of following following up on your example, that that's what happens at the end of the day if you have that kind of freedom with responsibility. Of course, nobody's saying mm-hmm. here, and and, and I, I, I gotta be very clear about that because sometimes people feel that freedom comes without any level of accountability, and they go hand in hand if you have a, right. the right culture. But like you're do like you like you did in your in your past uh, experience, you are doing something that you did it on your own, but it's adding value to you individually and to the organization. And to me, honestly, if I, if I am the architect of an organization, it is a no-brainer that if you are doing something on your own dime, on your own time, on your own, with your own efforts and skills, and that's bringing value to my organization, I mean, why wouldn't I say yes to that and even provide additional support? I think that's, that, again, that to me is a no-brainer. Yeah. And I think you hit the key of what you're doing. It can't just be like you're going rogue and it doesn't make sense for the company or it's adding value. What I've done at every point, it adds value. It's bringing in dollars. And um, the project that I started, it actually created a new category. And now they have all of the nonprofit I worked at. They have all of these spinoff campaigns for all these special projects. But I was the first special project and they thought, Donors won't get behind it. This, this, you know, model has never been done here. It's not going to work. And I was like, great, let me be the guinea pig. Let me fail. We currently have $0 for it. If I fail miserably, we're going to have $0. Yeah. 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 No, uh, let, let me, I, I want to ask you something because you, you, you mentioned a couple of times the, the word of, you know, getting some rope in the organization. And that, that means, of course, uh, uh, you know, a number of things, but for the individual, the, the misfit, the entrepreneur in the organization. Uh, you know, I, wh- when I did this for the first time, I was very young and I, I messed it up and they fired me from my company actually. And, and I think I was doing the right thing, but I was young. I didn't have, you know, sort of the rope that I have today. But for those either now that are, you know, older or younger, what would you tell them to do to be smart about sort of uh, being who they are if they are entrepreneurs but doing doing that in a in a way that you know uh, sort of helps them create the value for themselves and for others what what can they do Sure. So I think the first thing is you have to get to know the organization and you have to pay your dues. I didn't come in day one guns blazing. I came in day one. I learned everything I could, met with everybody I could and learned about the organization. And then as I got to know the organization and understand what my charge was and my job portfolio entailed, 
then I identified this need, but that was a, you know, a couple of years in that wasn't day one week one. And by that time I had also spent a good number of hours saying yes to anything that anybody with the VP or C-suite title um, asked me to do. So I really had good relationship collateral and I knew the folks in the C-suite and on the VP and also, you know, on our board of directors, I, I knew all the players. I knew all the folks who were the influencers and in making the decisions in the organization. And I knew what they wanted, what they valued and how to work with each of them. So I knew how to press the buttons, who to bring in on what conversation conversation, even if it wasn't necessarily required that they, you know, vote yes or whatever it might be. So I knew how to work within the framework and work within the system that I was working in before I just went out. Like I didn't just go rogue one day and everybody knew what I was doing. Everybody was supportive when I was doing it. I they all were joking, like, you're going to fail miserably. And I was like, <laughs> great, well, this has never been done before. So if I fail miserably, we're no worse off than when we started, but just let me go. Let me try. Yeah, and and I like that you're talking about, you know, building that uh, relationships with those champions. I mean, whether they they will provide the support or just you know watch from the sidelines, but still not put a roadblock on your way, and that, that is powerful. And honestly, I didn't do any of that before. You know, when I was when I started my my journey being an, an entrepreneur, and it's such a powerful um, such a powerful recommendation because very often you think you know I can do it all on my own. And um, and then you 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 come across you know some some trouble along the way when you don't when you haven't built you know sort of those relationships at work, and then of course the other thing is that um, you know I know I know you're very passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you know to build a true culture of inclusion is not just about it's 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 not just about gender or ethnicity or background. You know, even if you had all these elements, you still have to build a culture where those people and everybody else, regardless of, you know, where they come from or how they look like, they have the opportunity to be who they are. And um, that, mm -hmm. that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that, I think that's a piece that is very often missing from the equation. You know, you see a lot of companies sort of enlarging the, their pipeline and saying, you know, we're going to be targeting to more diverse candidates, but when the candidates are hired and they come to the work, they can't be themselves. You know, they cannot be the entrepreneur, right? Right. Well, I think some of that is on the candidate side, it's feeling things out as you're interviewing. Yeah. Uh, so if you're really passionate about, you know, or very connected to a different religious belief or whatever it is, Yes, of course, there's those protections and questions that you can't be asked, but then there's also a point in time of, do you disclose that? When and how do you disclose that? How do you have that conversation? And how did the company respond? Yeah. So like for me, I celebrate holidays that aren't necessarily the standard Christmas and Easter. So when I have to take those days off, How's the PTO work? Do you block those days on the company calendar? So I don't have to worry about having a big training or meeting on the holiest day of my year. So when I got to the actual offer for my current company, I started asking those questions. And my dad, you know, who's very old school and very reserved, he was like, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, look, I 
I, I had to know I was going into a different environment. I had to know what the process, the protocol, and you can just kind of tell the undertone of that. Like, are there, is there really diversity in the company? How do you handle that as an organization? And look at that point, if they didn't like what I was disclosing and didn't want me there, then that probably wasn't a place I wanted to be spending my time and my talent. So I was okay to take that risk and kind of lay it all out towards the end and just say like, hey, this is something that I have questions about, you know, how do we handle this with PTO and internal and scheduling? Like, you know, there's, there's a way to do it on the candidate side. And then on the company side, it's anything from whether it's blocking off different holidays on your calendar. So that, you know, one person who celebrates that set of holidays doesn't have to be the squeaky wheel and be like, hi, sorry, this is really uncomfortable. You know, there's easy things that we can do like that. Um, But it's just, it's so much more. It's really at the end of the day, it is taking the time, and this is harder in a remote environment because we're not having those run in the hall and the break room, um, but it's really taking the time to get to know people, to understand them, to understand their values and their background. And I think at this point, the golden rule is obsolete, right? The golden rule of treating other people how they want to be treated. I think that's obsolete at this point in time. And I actually heard, I can't take ownership of this, but I fully own it. Um, Now we're moving towards the platinum rule, which is treating other people how they want to be treated. Right? Like, how do you want to be recognized? How do you want to be appreciated? You know, how can I best engage and work with you? Because what works for me may or may not work for you. And that's totally fine because you're a very, very different person at the end of the day. And I think if we're really taking time to have those authentic conversations and really get to know people on a different level and understand how they want to be treated, people will feel really truly valued. And when people feel truly valued, and they feel seen and they feel heard for who they are, that's when they will add the most value to your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it's very interesting because whenever we talk about the future of HR or the future of work in general, but particularly the future of HR, and we talk about the return to you know more human skills like you know creativity, innovation, imagination, empathy, curiosity, it's for, for a lot of people, connecting those skills with how they can actually, you know, make them uh, operate in the real world, sometimes it's hard, but it, it really is not. It's just what you said. It is just, you know, this empathy comes as in, ask people what, how they want to be treated, ask people how they, th- you know, what, what's the right environment for them to thrive, what they need from the organization. Mm-hmm. That's how you operationalize the concepts of empathy, curiosity, and, you know, uh, psychological safety, open-mindedness. And that's the future of HR, having those kinds of conversations instead of <laughs> running the back office administration. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I think that, there are, pe- there are many managers who do that well and take the time to do it. There's a handful of managers who know that they should be, but they just don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it in the authentic way that they would like to be. And then look, I work at a tech organization. I work with a lot of managers who are highly analytical and have low people skills. Yeah. And when I've talked to some of my R&D software engineer managers about this topic, you know, and said, oh, you know, what are you doing to get to know your team? You know, team building, fun things 
things, even just conversation, get to know you, the response from one of my R&D managers was, oh, you mean like allocated social human interaction time, <laughs> which really hurt me in a place that was like just very deep in my soul. Um, but there are folks in the world who are these highly analytical, you know, software engineers, finance, whatever it might be, um, who really don't take the time to get yeah. to know people because they're just wired differently. So I know being in the tech space, that's a challenge for me because for me, it's like such a done, such a given, but they're just not wired that way. Yeah. So if anybody has uh, any great ideas or advice <laughs> on how to get your highly analytical non-people people to be more people people, I will take all the guidance and advice from any expert on that subject. No, that is, that is fantastic. And again, I, I see this as one of the greatest opportunities for HR and for people, people in the, in the organization and particularly for HR to educate uh, those business leaders on how important it is to cultivate those, um, those skills and to have those conversations. Because at the end of the day, even for them, you know, I'm an engineer myself and, you know, as an engineer, when I worked in technology, you know, you're, you, you gotta have some level of, customer understanding and customer experience. And even that, if you can translate that into, you know, how, what that means inside the company, you are going to be creating or, you know, starting the journey to create a better culture. So Jessica, thank you so much for spending thank this you. time with me and sharing all of these pieces with the community. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.